Welcome back to another episode of Diversity on Fire. Our goal is to inspire you to think more deeply and act with more knowledge and compassion. We'll do this by sharing our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. As we close out our month on biodiversity, we are so excited to feature someone who has literally made it her business to create, demonstrate, and teach us all how we can take part in sustainability efforts within our environment. Today's guest is passionate about creating a sustainable future, as well as connecting like-minded business leaders. She's a wife, mom, connector of people, environmental steward, and an entrepreneur. Joining us today from just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, please welcome Colleen Acavino-Felicki. Thank you. Thanks for having me, both of you. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here today. This is great. We're so happy to have you. It, it, it's a genuine treat today. So awesome. Well, Colleen, oh I'm going <laughs> to... Yes. I'm going to start out with what we always start out with doing, which is getting to know you on a more personal level. So would you tell us a little bit more about yourself as a person, as well as what sparked your passion for environmental sustainability, and basically how you decided to start your business back to Earth Compost Crew? Oh, thank you. Uh, See, where should I start? I guess I'll start at the beginning. Well, when I was a child, um, I used to watch my grandmother uh, put her food scraps on the side of her sink in a baggie and then take it out to her garden and just dig a hole and put the food scraps in. Um, So that was her way of composting. But both of my grandparents had gardens and we never had one at home. But my mom cooked a lot of um, fresh foods and um, salads every night with dinner. So, uh, you know, we grew up around, like we had basil and parsley and and herbs growing in our yard. I, I like, I like, you know, being able to eat right off of the plant. <laughs> um, but I also um, kind of fast forward going, uh, when I was in high school, I was part of a group. We, we started a group in, it called Save the Environment Man. And it's called STEM. STEM is a totally different meaning today, but that was in 1991. I don't remember, somewhere around <laughs> the early 90s. I really, we I remember we raised money to buy a part of the rainforest so we could you know, help from it being from a cut down and like just the things that we did. Like I was really, I really enjoyed doing that um, at that time, but I didn't follow that career path. I ended up going to college for um, communications, kind of radio TV was my focus, graduated and realized that I didn't want to ha- have a career in that field. So uh, I got a job working in, uh, I was in the commercial real estate kind of world for a number of, a, a handful of years. And then I decided that I wanted to get my real estate license, residential real estate. So I did that. And during that time, you know, I got married, I had two kids. And when I had my kids, I kind of had an awakening. And my son was born in 2005. But um, I really, really realized that, oh, my goodness, like, we really need to do something to save, you know, our planet, we need to do things that are more sustainable as our family. And started getting into composting meeting like-minded women and families. I belong to a group called the Holistic Moms Network. And my cousin and I were co-leaders of that group for, I think it was about five years. So my kids were young, um, had my daughter in 2008, and we just tried to eat more local, organically, really take notice of what we're putting in and on our bodies as far as like chemicals and making and trying to be more natural in that area. And kind of that's where I got really passionate about like uh, composting and learning more about how I can be more sustainable in my house and, you know, using rags instead of paper towels and less napkins and 
using reusable items more so. So uh, not perfect at all. I just, I say like a little bit is better than nothing. So just making small changes. And um, that's kind of what my motto has always been. So I was composting, we were composting in our yard. I was totally doing it wrong. <laughs> um, and I realized like I need to kind of get up to speed on this. And why isn't anything breaking down? <laughs> why, why is it not doing this? And why does it smell a little bit? And so I also at that time was looking to do something. I kind of ha have my own business. And I talked to another company that's um, not so far from here that was has um, in the space and sat down and asked him a number of questions. And he was really great about answering all of my, you know, all my questions and really kind of guiding me because um, I, I wanted to do, I wanted to help others compost. Um, so this kind of leads into why I kind of got started. I wanted to, you know, help others do what I was doing, but who don't have the space or the time or even the wherewithal to compost in their yard. So I wanted to start a service where I could pick up people's compost from their houses and take it to be composted. I'm lucky enough to have a place not that far that I can take the food scraps to. And so, um, and he was great to work with me in that regard. So um, I thought about it for a long time. I'm going to say eight years before I did anything. I know it's like, sh it's shocking. Um, but I, I was part of this group called Master Networks, and I was working for someone else, another um, local business, where I was doing all their outreach in the community, and I love doing that. I love talking to people, connecting with people. I love learning stories, people's stories, and um, how I can help them. So I was working for a local, another local business, and not that I didn't like working there. I loved it, but I also wanted to do something I was passionate about in, in the community as well. So I kind of put the two together. I decided that I was going to start my own business and just kind of went for it. You know, I was also working another part-time job. I worked overnight for a couple of years to be able to do it initially because, you know, to be able to sustain our, our household. And my husband works full-time and I, I'm grateful for that. And he um, supported me, you know, from the beginning. He's like, this is, you know, this is interesting. Like, it's totally new. Like this isn't something that a lot of people are doing. So I had to connect with businesses outside of our area that were doing this as well. Yeah, that was 20, 2016. I actually just realized officially got our LLC in 2017. So it's been four years this summer um, that I've been doing this and so glad that I did. I like, I feel like a fear held me back for so long, but being around the like-minded people got me realizing that I don't, I don't, I shouldn't let fear hold me back. If I'm passionate about something and I have the resources, why not put that out there and see how I can help people and coming from the right place too. I just want to just be of service and be able to help people that don't have the opportunity to. So with, with my support network, uh, I feel like I wouldn't be where, where I am just because they were kind of my eyes and ears in the community and able to help me with, connect me with different people and support me initially by signing up for our service and things like that. So I can't say thank you enough just for that, for the support I had. Leading with intentions of just being a giver. Like I just want to help people, connect people with who they want to meet. You know, if I can help them in any way, just be able to be a resource. I, I want to do that as well. If there's anyone out there that's listening that is thinking like, oh, my service or my product or this isn't good enough like perfect or you know 
it's okay to put it out there without having all the pieces. If you have a mission and you're passionate about it, it's worth it to share your gift with everyone. And our mission has become, we want to keep food scraps out of landfills and back into the soil in our communities. And uh, we do this by providing the residential curbside compost pickup, our commercial composting services, which evolved out of people just needing a place to compost and not having the resources. And we became that resource in the area. That's the other thing. I'm passionate about teaching, just educating people about why it's important, why it's important to do this and um, how they can do it and how they can do it free. Like that's the other thing. It doesn't have to cost much compost. And we try to make it affordable for everyone. So at our compost collection sites, it's um, just $5 to bring a five gallon bucket. And you don't have to sign up for a membership or anything like that. We just were there we're educating. I like to, you know, give tips. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> so what, because you were talking about people asking, and I think, well, and you also mentioned fear. So that kind of triggered me as well in terms of, I think that fear stem, stems from kind of misconceptions or not knowing a lot of times, right? So, and of course, as you mentioned, and this was related to business, but it, it really does apply to every scenario in life. If we have a fear, we tend to put off doing, right? So it, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have that you've found, that you've heard, that people have around composting? Um, that it smells. Um, so there's like composting with us versus composting in their backyard. I would say like in their backyard that it smells, that it's going to attract animals, that, um, you know, they won't be able to keep up with it. Those are a cu couple of things. And like with our service, the other thing, like it's going to smell, where will I put my bucket? I know it sounds kind of silly, but do I, you know, if I keep it in my kitchen, like will it, will it attract flies? Well, I don't think it sounds silly at all because I was actually thinking about that earlier. And I was, because I, I have composted in the past, right now I rent. Mm -hmm. And so I don't. Because I ha I give myself that out of like, well, I don't have a yard to compost it in, right? But I don't necessarily think, especially that you're saying, you know, it, in your area, you have provide that resource of people being able to go drop it off. So right. how would people, what are some avenues outside of that? Because of course, if they're in your neighborhood, they should come to you. But outside of that, what would be an avenue for people who rent or don't have land to do the composting on? Would they just not do it or is there a better way? Yeah. Um, so I would say like there are, there's companies like mine popping up around the country. If you kind of Google local compost collection service, you may find one in your area that you might not have known about because, well, maybe just they're not doing advertising or marketing, but the other thing would be um, compost shares, getting out there, going to the farmer's market in the community, talking about, you know, there might be someone in the community that takes, there's um, there's an app, and forgive me, I don't remember the name, but you can connect with other composters and some folks that might be willing to take your compost into their yard and put it in their compost pile. A local farm might be a good resource. And like I said, just like talking with co-ops, food co-ops in the community, uh, they might be a resource as well, like natural grocery stores, things like that, where you might be able to, to take your food scraps. Um, the other thing is maybe um, doing a little research on like what kind of scraps do you have and what can they be used for? Like eggshells can be washed and crushed and kind of put in with, um, put it around the plants outside. So even if you have like you're renting, maybe the landlord has some plants outside. We do have um, a customer that 
compost through us, but is growing fruits and vegetables. I guess they must have asked their landlord. And they, when I pulled up, they had stuff growing outside. Maybe, you know, you, coffee grounds, they can be put back to the earth without being composted first. Um, some plants like them. <laughs> really quickly, what I'd like to ask you to expand on it, because you're kind of sharing some of the techniques and opportunities and just a moment earlier, the misconceptions. Uh, what I'd love to have you do is just take an, uh, take an opportunity to explain the concept of what composting is, because what we're talking about a little bit is what it isn't, but maybe mm-hmm. just in case some of the audience isn't familiar with the, the topic at large and just kind of share what it is that you're doing. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good question because not everyone knows what, what composting is. When we throw our trash away at the curb, typically half of that is compostable. Not necessarily food waste, but maybe paper or cardboard, um, leaves, like other items that can be composted. Um, And composting is the process of these items being decomposing with oxygen present. So in a pile with products that are organic waste, typically food waste, that can break down and create this nutrient-dense soil, for lack of a better word, that um, it's different than soil, but it, it's so you know it looks like soil, feels like soil, but it's nutritious. It it holds its weight, it holds water. Um, so it's so good to put in your garden because it retains water. So that you're using less water, so using less resources to water your plants. It's been known to filter out stormwater pollutants. I think by like ninety percent. You don't have to use chemical fertilizers if you use it on your garden, and so the list goes on. There's just so many reasons why we should, and it's. It's basically, that's it. You're breaking down the food waste, whether or not, you know, you do it yourself in a composter in your, in your yard. And there, there um, Heather, the, going back to what you said, there are composters in a tumbler form where you can put that on a balcony or out on a porch and it's enclosed. And um, that's another resource for being able to compost in your space that you don't have, you know, wouldn't have a yard, but it's, it's, um, you know, breaking down these items and, you know, it causes some heat and the, you know, the organisms break, break down. It's amazing how many organisms are in like one teaspoon of compost, um, millions, billions, but it's, uh, it's fascinating. And, and they're all good for, for the plants. They help keep weeds at bay. They help keep the, um, organisms that would, are harmful, uh, to the plants. There's a movement, um, Regenerative agriculture, as I mentioned, like uh, Kiss the Ground is an organization that's kind of spearheading that, but um, just like using the compost on the soil, which is beneficial for, you know, global warming. It it helps sequester the carbon from the atmosphere into the soil. And it's just, um, and composting is a huge part of that. And if we're throwing out that into the landfill, it creates methane gas um, when it sits in the landfill and uh, which is harmful. And I know that like some landfills are harnessing that methane gas to use it for energy, um, but in general harmful and for our environment. So if we can keep the food waste out of landfill and as a resource, even if it's like, it's just a huge resource, you know, to create this compost, to use it. And we're losing topsoil in, in our country. So why can't we just, it's, it's like, it's recycling. <laughs> it's magic, really. It's like recycling these food waste food that you already ate or didn't eat, you know, and some, you know, some of it uh, rots before it gets to you. We're talking with, you know, food pantry that they have so much and they give out what they can, but they might have leftover and they don't want to throw it out. So this is another resource for them to give it. uh, And and they also have like one of the ones has a farm. So 
if they're if they're growing, why not use those scraps and create soil that they can then again use on the farm for their next year's crops? It just it's so fascinating to me. Well, what you're saying is several different things, right? So we're talking about um, protecting the natural environment. We're talking about decreasing landfill space. Yes. We're talking about for example, the fact that our soil has become depleted and therefore the vegetables and fruits that we eat don't have as many nutrients and then that's affecting our bodies. Yeah. Um, and it's even def- affecting how our children are developing. So what we're talking about is holistic ways of addressing all of those things by a very um, specific action. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of, like you said, you've listed everything that um, can be affected by by doing this one thing that some people think like, oh, it's, you know, small act. It's like a small act multiplied or the ripple effect. You know, one person does it, they talk to their neighbor and they're starting to do it. And it all, it all adds up. I mean, we're a small company and we hauled three tons last week, three tons that did not go into the landfill. And um, it just. Hello, bicep. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that I don't go to the gym. (laughs) I don't have any energy to do that, but we are picking up that weigh 40 pounds sometimes. (laughs) So actually your, your business name kind of says it perfectly, right? Back to earth. So it's, it's telling us that if we got it from the earth, then what we don't use, we should give it back, right? It makes a lot of sense to me conceptually. Doesn't feel like it's that hard, but I will say recycling in general. I was putting some stuff in the recycling bin that actually wasn't supposed to go in the recycling bin. So, you know, and it's, I guess every place does it a little bit differently too. So you have to know your town and and what they do or don't accept. But on that note, what are, when I think of composting, I think of, you know, food scraps being like cut up veggies Mm -hmm. and, and produce and stuff. So what are some of the other things that can go into a compost that we may not think about? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. So fruits and veggies, eggshells, coffee grounds, coffee filters. Um, you can put pet hair in there. That's compostable. If you wear, you know, cotton or hemp clothes in the dryer lint, typically, you know, not all clothes are you know made with those items. But if you if you only use cotton or hemp, you know, you can put your dryer lint in there. Uh, I'm trying to think of like from the kitchen, you can like pizza boxes that men, they might not take from from municipality. Um, If they have grease on them, they don't take them around here. So uh, we can rip those up and we can take those as well. Paper plates that aren't coated, trying to think like non-coated cardboard food. We don't take uh, currently meat, bones or dairy. And I don't recommend you putting them into a compost site at your house either, because those are the types of things that are going to draw animals. So uh, we keep those out and they'll start and they'll smell as well, (laughs) even if you use a tumbler and it might not heat up enough to kill the pathogens. So a couple of points about that. But I think like, yeah, just um, all the pits, all the rinds, like this time of year, watermelon rinds and the melons make things heavy, um, but and watery, but um, in general, just anything that, you know, if you're cleaning off your pasta, bread, cleaning out your pantries and want to get rid of the old flour, you know, that can go in there as well. So we get questions all the time, you know, can this go in there? Can that go in there? And I like when people, it it shows me that like they're curious, they're trying to compost as much as they can. So they're, you know, reaching out. We have a list on our website as well of what we can take. So, um, so the bread kind of surprises me. Um, I, and you know what? I have a family member. They know who they are that (laughs) just, they don't really, they, 
they kind of compost. They just, they live up against the woods and they just throw things off the porch into the woods. So I guess that's, I mean, it's giving it back, right? Um, But it drives me nuts because everything goes out there. I mean, not like plastics, not like, not things like that. That's funny. Good to know that those, those hamburger buns that they are only half eaten because I have a little niece um, are acceptable compost. Absolutely. Yeah. They will (laughs) compost easily. The other thing that's interesting that you should say that about the throwing the food out, but like I thought, oh, I'm going to throw my banana peel out the window. And no. Well, if you think about it, if there's an animal that wants to cross the road to get to that banana peel, that animal's in danger. So I do. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to be honest. I am super guilty of that. I'm like, it's biodegradable. Yes. And I was so bad about that. Okay. Absolutely. Until I, and so I always say like, no better, do better, right? Like, okay, now I know. I'm not going to do it anymore. And maybe I'll talk about it so that other people realize that as well. And no judgment at all. You know, it's um, as we learn things and I didn't realize that either. So, so, or maybe they, it's not good for their stomachs or like maybe we can eat it and they can't type of thing. So just mentioning. What's the timeline on, on composting? So if, if someone were to set up an area in their backyard or if they get one of those bins, although mm-hmm. I assume the bins are probably faster because they're enclosed. So it kind of heat harnesses that heat. But what's the process look like in terms of if I put a banana peel and I know all all items are going to have a different rate of decomposition, but what does that look like? Can they do it in the spring and have that ready for fall to put in their garden or is it longer? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. In fact, and you mentioned it, you're right with an enclosed system, like using a tumbler, it will break down faster. And also depending on how big the scraps are that you, it really, there's a lot of variables. So it's not an exact science. I say it's like an experiment when you compost. So, but in general, like for a tumbler, and if you turned it every day, put the items in there, you know, that can only go in there, cut them up. I would say like three months to six months for a tumbler. However, in the right conditions and not adding any more. That's the other thing with a tumbler. You really just kind of have to put in your chunk and let it go to have it in a quick amount of time. So if you have a tumbler with two chambers, that makes it easier to so um, you can add it, but it will just take a little bit. It'll take longer to break down in your backyard. You know, it could be six months to a year or more. It could be two years. It really depends on what you're putting in there. If you're keeping it damp like a sponge, the area in your yard that it's in, is it getting sunlight is getting too dried out? The other thing is, are you turning it right? Because it needs it needs to be aerated. There has to be oxygen in there. So, you know, if you have a pile outside, you want to turn that like once a week. Whereas if you have a tumbler, maybe every five days, like quicker than that. So um, when we teach composting, I, you know, I talk a lot about that, the right, like the conditions. And it's not an exact science. And if you're putting stuff in your, in your, you know, in the backyard, say in like an open area, um, like I said, how, how often you watering? Are you using the other huge thing is like, what are the components that you're putting in there? Because it's like a three to one ratio, really three carbon, one nitrogen. So carbon being leaves, cardboard, paper, you can put up shredded paper in there, um, napkins, and then your nitrogen being your food scrap, right? Coffee grounds can be, you know, there um, as well. And um, so do you have a good, a right mixture? I know it sounds daunting, but if you think three to one, like if you're, if you're putting a cup of food scraps, you're going to put three cups of paper or leaves. That makes it easy. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, does it matter what part of the country you live in? Do, like, you know, is being in Iowa different than being in Texas, or does that really not play into things very much? If you asked me that in three weeks, I would probably know the answer. I'm going to a course right now. I'm about to sign up for it. It's in Lincoln, Nebraska, the beginning of August, and I'm gonna. Um, talk about composting, really how to manage and keep um, work with your larger compost pile. Like I work with my backyard compost. We partner with the sites that do our composting currently, but I'd like to know how to do it on my own and work. And um, I don't know, to be honest with you, how it differs, but I do know conditions anywhere have to be similar. So I don't know how to make up for if it's drier in Arizona, you know, do you have to add more water? It it needs to be like damp, like a sponge. So you might have to be adding more water to it or turning it more in an area. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. That's a really good question. I'm thinking, yeah, because now I'm, that is a good question, Nina, because now I'm thinking like, well, in Colleen, I think we're kind of in Mm -hmm. a similar weather pattern. I'm in New Hampshire and it's been raining for like three weeks, um, but it's been humid, yeah. right? Yep. And so we get warm, humid summers, but then it gets real cold. Mm-hmm. So somewhere like Florida, for example, mm-hmm. who doesn't get cold, I would imagine that's going to process it a will. lot more quickly because even though it's not super humid in the winter, I'm doing air quotes for everyone listening. <laughs> the winter in Florida, God forbid. It's still warm. Right. No, you're absolutely correct. Good point. It, it is going to process, and it'll process faster in the warmer weather. So, um, and it'll come to, it, it won't stop. It will still, like, I go to the compost pile, you know, many times a week and see it steaming in the wintertime. So it's still breaking down, still doing its thing. However, not at a fast faster rate than in the warmer months where you know things speed up so you might it might take two years where somewhere else you know it may have taken a year okay hold on this visual you just said you go to the compost pile in the middle of winter mm-hmm. and it's still steaming mm-hmm. <gasps> that's <picture>. wild <laughs> yeah think it, about think about that process mm-hmm. that's going on for it to be steaming when the it is definitively yeah. not steaming outside yeah. in Philadelphia in December. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool to say. It's like, oh, wow, it's, it's magic. It's like it's breaking down. It's And then like when the snow melts and, you know, it gets, ice melts, it's just like start moving the piles around and you, you see it's just, wow, this looks more like soil. Last year it looked like chunks of food and hay and, you know, other farm items that are mixed in with, with it. And then you see that other side, you see the soil like, like, oh, this is really cool. So it's a pretty neat process. Do you have any idea on, I'm just, I'm just thinking about, I'm just thinking about the impact. So myself, for example, as one person, I was going to say one business, but that's vastly different because they're creating a lot more. But what type of an impact one person might have if they choose to take up composting? I know that's that's really probably tough, but do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I'm actually, I was going to pull up. I will, I'm going to look because I I can actually show you, tell you what my, um, my customers are doing here. So the person who's been, one of the people that have been composting longest with us, and we can see the impact, the environmental impact, just one family has 
Okay, she's been composting with us, I want to say about a year, and diverted 235 pounds, 148 miles offset, miles driven offset, 6.71 gallons of gas avoided. This is the environmental impact on someone who's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find another example who, okay, here we go. Another family. This is a family of four. We just started tracking. This is, I'm going to reverse it. We just started tracking. We have a new system. So we just started tracking in the fall environmental impact with our um, with our new system and they've diverted 790 pounds of food waste this is since October I believe miles driven offset 498 gallons of gas avoided 200 or 22 so we're, we're trying to show our composters like what a difference they're making through um, composting with tracking because we um, we have this new software we can track their environmental impact so I love cool. that so I'm curious. So this is a system that is that you're using. So you input essentially the um, weight of what you pick up. Yes. And this this program gives you equivalence in terms of what it's saving. Do you know how it's doing that? So when we're talking about miles driven, mm-hmm. I guess miles driven, yes. And that correlation would be the gas saved, miles right. driven to gas saved. How is, are they saying, are they taking, they're thinking like dump trucks? Is that what they're Oh, um, so the not dump um, trucks, uh, garbage trucks, (laughs) like what would be the save in terms of mileage, um, in terms of, um, offsetting that. Oh, okay. We, so we wanted to do this not only for, for, um, letting, showing our customers that because we do, you know, give them an estimate of how much they're each time they're composting. We also are able to route, use it as a, it's a routing software. So it makes our pickup routes um, more efficient. So we we have, you know, use a truck that uses gas. So I'm looking into alternatives as well, electric vehicles and things like that. So, uh, but for now, our truck uses gas. So I've tried to make it the most efficient and like MapQuest wasn't doing that for me and just taking longer. So this really makes it efficient so that we try to do it in a quicker amount of time. Well, you've got good news coming because Ford looks like they're building a beast of a hybrid truck. I saw that. (laughs) It's going to be a game changer, I think, Um, on top of the tax credit that you'd be able to utilize if you got it. So the nice thing about that is um, the function's going to meet the purpose and also have an economic uh, impact. So that's a win all around. I was struck by you saying that family of four has given almost 800 pounds because that's 40% of a ton Yes. For one family. Good calculation. That's tremendous. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. And we try to meet their needs. Like they needed another bucket. So we have a two bucket plan. And if they need another bucket, we would do that. Yeah. That's, and that's only since, like I said, we just implemented it in late in the fall. So I would say it was October in general, where most of our customers were transferred to the new system. It is, it is impactful. It's just, that's one family. I love, love, love the job because I think so we talk about this a lot about global warming or, or climate change. This is not a new thing. Listen, like they've been talking about, actually Nina just posted an article yesterday about a study that was done in the 70s by MIT. Mm-hmm. And at the time, and basically they're they're projecting, I won't go into it too much, but they were projecting um, the fall of, well, I'm not even going to go into it because it's going to sound like a conspiracy if I don't give details. But anyways, <laughs> it, they we were projecting certain trends 
And in nine, in the seventies, everyone was like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't. And now when they're revisiting it, they're like, oh crap, they were wow. right. We're very, very much going in the direction that they're saying. So again, we've known about this for a long time, but it's really easy to pass the buck and say, me as one person, I'm not making a difference. And therefore yeah. I won't do it because mm-hmm. it's a nominal amount of effort for me and it's not going to matter anyways. So I love, love, love the data because I think it's so impactful to be able to see that. And actually, as we're having this conversation, I was thinking of my paper shredders right next to me. I'm thinking of, think about like the landfills, right? Mm -hmm. Because everyone says, oh, it smells. Well, it's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. And I have my paper shredder and usually what I do, full disclosure, usually what I do is I have a trash bag and I dump the paper shredder Mm -hmm. into the trash bag and then that goes into the trash. So all of that paper that is easily biodegradable mm-hmm. is now in a plastic bag. Yeah. Right. So it's like, will will it still degrade? Yes, it will, but mm-hmm. it's going to take a heck of a lot longer because now the elements have to get through the container I've put it in. Rather than finding a simple solution, which probably means just going up to my sister's house and dumping it in her backyard with everything else. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Save it. See what you can do. She'll love can, it. It'll get you thinking about everything that you throw away. And what you can do with it. But Heather, you just made me think about something I read that I just, my mind was blown. Last weekend, I read that every toothbrush created since the 1930s is still exists on our planet today, right? Where else is it going to go? It's plastic. And it's, it's hard just, plastic. Yes. It's just one of those things where it's like, wow, like, that's just a toothbrush. Like, what else? Like, like also gross right i know (laughs) true (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i know oh my gosh yeah and and to heather's point we do we do i mean when i say we i am definitely speaking about myself but something about human laziness has this concept of if I can't get everything accomplished and I won't do anything. Right. And you were speaking of that earlier, just in terms of doing, you know, your business and things like that, which is just doing it messy and giving yourself grace to, to not be perfect. Because I do think the other side of the coin is we live in this society sometimes where if you're not doing everything humanly possible, then it's still trash. Right. Yep. And so therefore I can't give you credit for anything instead of, you know, going ahead and saying, let's meet people on their journey where they're at and let them be honest about where they're at in their journey so they don't have to be shameful of it or hide it um, and therefore not want to do it because now it's turned into a poison pill. Sure. Well, well, well said. Absolutely. I, part of like when I was part of the Holistic Moms Network and of course, and it never left me was that like you can do things imperfectly you can just do, you know, a little bit, but don't feel like you're not doing, you know, you're doing something just by doing one thing or making one switch. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be your whole house is zero waste. I mean, it's just not going to be that way. Um, and so you're doing your part and someone else is doing their part doing something else. It's just, um, but being mindful of it is key and being open to learning about how you can make changes um, is also key, I think. So in terms of ease of application too, so your business provides 
convenience and accessibility to not just not just families but businesses right mm-hmm. because as business owners especially when the ones that you might be dealing with which would be restaurants things like that they've got a billion three thousand things to do right yeah so having a step of having to take something to a facility is just something that's not as easy for them right yeah but what you the way you do it is five gallon bucket is that right? So for homeowner, for uh, residential use, uh, we do five gallon buckets. But for businesses, we have different, depending on what their need is, I kind of work with them on how we can make it accessible for them. And also for us, because of the type of truck we have and things like that. So we will try to make it work with toters or um, containers that work, you know, for them as well. We, I feel like it's, um, we worked with a small cafe and um, we found um, containers that uh, I did a program with Ikea and we did an educational program and they have these great tools. They have, you know, that are you, you can use for kitchen composting. And I suggested to uh, my customer that for her small, you know, little kitchen area in her cafe that there's three different sizes of these containers that for compost. And she used, you know, she, I think she has two or three different sizes in her kitchen area there to collect it into and then put it into the containers outside. So we'll work with the businesses to find out how we can help them inside because it is an educational process from what they're um, putting it in to make it easy for them to want to do it, right? <laughs> if they don't have the opportunity to like to have a space or ease of use it's not it's not going to happen and also education like to know like what goes in there because sometimes staff turns over so like do we have it marked clearly about what can go in there and things like that but yes we'll work with the business in fact i i talked with the business yesterday it was just too much for us to handle and so i referred them to someone else that can hopefully and i had a conversation with him about why don't you compost on site you know you have they have five acres but the way that it's laid out and things like that, it might not work out for them. But I just said, here's a resource for you. This is someone that can help you maybe figure out if that makes sense for you instead of hauling it somewhere else. Or they can probably help you with the hauling part too, just because it's just out of my, um, first of all, it's out of my, little bit out of my physical pickup area, but it's just too large. Meeting with someone today who um, already compost, but looking for a different solution. So we try to make it, you know, work I call it kind of like a boutique. Like, I don't know if that's the terminology, but figure out what works for them so that it'll happen. You know, instead of like, okay, I have these containers and you're going to put them in here. It's like, okay, well, sometimes that's the case. Or like, what can we help you with inside your business to make it easier? So I try to be a resource. Yeah. Have you thought about nationalizing your concept like franchise you mean Mm -hmm. that's a good question i have not only because okay well maybe i i I feel like i haven't systemized it enough here but i also i don't know if i want to do i don't know like there are other there are other businesses around the country that i see that are growing that are very similar to what i do and i'm happy that they're doing i i maybe i just i'm not there yet Probably. Or <laughs> if you didn't do that, this is something that you may consider. Now we're going into the business framework of this, but um, it's just education. So, you know, creating courses for, because you do have such a good gift for sharing, uh, but creating courses to help other people to do that. So maybe not having the physical capacity, mm-hmm. but just the intellectual um, ability and in, in teaching others and then letting them run with it. Someone, someone else had asked me that as well. Maybe Nina was suggesting that she would take over your Iowa arm. 
Oh. <laughs> I'm in yes. I'm in a growth capacity right now. There you go. <laughs> we can talk further. So what I mean we we've talked a lot about your business but want to give you the opportunity to share anything that we haven't talked about business-wise that you think is important to share and then also business or otherwise what you're passionate about right now what has your attention Ah oh, great question I would say like business-wise and maybe I mentioned this earlier like don't be afraid to reach out to people and connect with people in your industry put it out there to your friends to your family to your colleagues this is what I want to learn. This is what I'm looking to do with my career. Go and just do it. You know, ask the questions. People want to help. Uh, what I found in general is over the years is that people want to help. They want to um, share what they know. I mean, not as necessarily everything or trade secrets or things like that, but just in general, they are helpful and want to share and, um, you know, take a little bit from here, take a little bit from there. And the other thing right now I'm passionate about kiss the ground um, training um, to be a soil advocate just to know more about how I can assist and teach the next generation how important it is to have healthy soil on our planet and regenerative agriculture and inclusion things that are very important to me so um, doing a lot of just digging deep and learning more about how we can um, just work together to to just build a better, you know, healthier planet, healthy, healthy soil equals healthy planet equals healthy people. So that's my goal is uh, just learn more, learning about how to compost, you know, how to run a compost facility in that in that regard, and then maybe teach what I know. I'm always looking for opportunities like groups that want to learn how to compost. And so this I feel like the soil advocate thing will just kind of add to that. And and I like I said, I don't have a background in doing this learning and um, as I go. And so I want to learn as much as I can to be able to be more knowledgeable and share that with others so that they can in turn share it. And like I said, and, and, and have a ripple effect because people want to learn and they, they ask a lot of questions. And we love being at the farmer's market because the community just, they have a lot of questions and, and it's good to be able to help and support that any way that we can. Passion drives education. And so one thread I want to pull before you know, we wrap things up with you is kind of going back to the very beginning of what you said, where your grandparents were taking food mm-hmm. scraps and putting it into, uh, I was going to say the ocean, but into the ground mm-hmm. <laughs> for the garden. And then, you know, having a family changing your life and just kind of asking our audience to recognize the concept. Sometimes we make things about the whole world and we make them so big instead of recognizing how small, small, excuse me, impertinent they are. So this thread of love is what's traveled through your life. An example that was set by someone above you and then your desire to set an example um, for the ones coming after you and just having that be the center of, of your passion and then wanting to share that with others so that we can all reap the benefits. And then you don't have to worry about trying to save the world because you're just saving, the, you know, you're, you're mm. doing a part to save your family and, and that's enough. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, what you're doing is enough. That's a really good word, right? Give yourself grace. And that's what I learned in my journey too. And, you know, you're enough. What you're doing is, um, is enough. And, you know, sharing that is ultimately, that's what it's about, you know, sharing, sharing the gift of you 
with what you know with others in my book is kind of is what it's about you know and I love as you can see our logo <laughs> viewers can't see that or listeners but uh yeah we're about you know just about love and just about loving our planet loving our people and supporting each other on their journeys so on this note what do you think? Um, we, we like to leave with a small tangible action, something that is something that everybody can do. Um, do you have a suggestion on one small action that we can all take, maybe a habit that we can mm-hmm. start to work on to live more sustainably? Sure. Um, given that it is plastic free July, I would say just um, be mindful for the rest of the month. We have a couple more weeks just to be mindful of your single-use plastic that you're taking in your home or that you're shopping for at the, at the store and seeing if there's alternatives. That's all. So it's just um, checking out to see, you know, where you can find products that might be more local, that don't have like a farmer's market instead of buying three peppers in a plastic package at the store. We started, we started to, um, like for the holidays, we partnered to collect Christmas lights, um, broken Christmas lights, and we, we did, I, I want to say it was like over a ton that we collected. Now we're doing glass containers, so there's a local business owner that uses them for her product, and so we're saving them for her. And the plastic bags, we know someone who's making a bench, at, they have to collect so many pounds, and so they're, I've put that out to my community, and then they can contact my friend who's collecting the bags. So, um... But it is a plastic free July, so we're, we're trying to just educate on how important it is not to, you know, or to try to curb your use of, of those items. And it's a, a challenge you can sign up online. We have the link on our on link in bio on our Instagram page, Back to Earth Compost Crew. It's a national thing. <laughs> I love it. And, and it really is. So just curious. The- I love how create, you just said someone is making a bench out of plastic bags and my mind is like blown and I'm right. the creativity of people finding ways to be resourceful and recycle and repurpose is absolutely mind blowing. I love it. What are five words that you would use to describe yourself? I would say tenacious, positive, caring. It's funny because I wouldn't think of these things. Uh, so let's see. Um, That's okay. Own three. it. Own your greatness. <laughs> <laughs> loyal and um just passionate love it good question i know. <laughs> make me think <laughs> and where can people uh connect with you to follow your journey and learn more uh so we're on instagram facebook and um we have a website so we're back to earth back b-a-c-k-t-o earth compost.com and um currently looking about uh, looking into having a podcast so <laughs> we'll have to chat further. Um, but those, you know, Instagram, Facebook, on our website, um, you can email back to earthcompost at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out. Would be happy to chat and connect. Yay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Thanks for having me. I feel like I, again, it goes back to all of these concepts are are not necessarily new, but just revisiting them and thinking about some of the things, like I just said with my paper shredder, like kind of gives new energy and new life to what can I do differently. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes people just need to hear it because I know in our roundtable, I did mention composting, but if I'm honest, I had no idea what I was saying. I mean, I just, it's, but that being said, you've helped educate me now. And I didn't know what I was saying, but enough people that I care about 
care about those things. And so if it weren't for those voices, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wouldn't have the knowledge to go ahead and now have the education from you. And so all of those things are important in the conversation. And part of it is just the willingness to, you know, be bold like you are. You didn't use that word, but you are bold oh. and, and pr- projecting that out there so that everybody can benefit. Because what I love about what you're doing is you are including your whole community the resourcefulness of a few, but you're also collectively utilizing others to get that done. And at the same time, making a great impact. So it's this sense of community that I really just love hearing about. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. it. Hearing you say that, it's like, oh, we do that. But we're doing it on a day to day. You don't see that kind of you like, forget. On the, yeah, the picture yeah. up here. It's like, yeah, you forget. It's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, driving all these, you know, we're, getting the stuff into the compost site and it's like okay sit back and kind of look at the whole picture yeah and that's our goal that's our mission so very cool love it love it thank you thank you thank you Thank you for joining us for another episode of Diversity on Fire. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Colleen, who is absolutely the sweetest composter we know, and we're able to take some tangible advice and tips on what you can do in your own life to be more sustainable. I feel like I do need to give a little disclosure here. I did mention a family member and their com- their loose composting in their yard. They have a beautiful yard, so in case my conversation or in case my notes um, indicated that they have some yard full of garbage, I just want to make it clear that it is beautiful, it is clean. So throwing that out there. As a reminder, today's opinions and thoughts that we expressed, they're our own. We do encourage you to do your own research and come to your own fact-based conclusions. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Diversity on Fire. We would love if you join our Facebook group as well, also at Diversity on Fire Facebook group. Uh, Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts are absolutely welcome. It does help more people find the show. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. And please share the show with everyone you know so more people can join in these important conversations. It's worth it to share your gift with everyone. Mm-hmm.